What's up, everybody? Before we dive into today's episode, I have a quick thing I want to share with you. I think I mentioned it later in this episode, but I have started working with the Keto Road True Nutrition Coaching as a one-on-one holistic ketogenic nutrition coach. I can work with you to help put together your macros, how you should be eating, work with you on mindset, action planning. The program includes coaching calls, daily check-ins, and exclusive access. So if this is something you're interested in, go check it out at theketoroad.com. And now, on to the show. Hey there, my friends. Welcome to another episode of the Fat Guy Forum. This is your host, Gormy, and I'm glad to have you here with us today. With us, we have yet another dude who's going to share his amazing story with you, and that is Richard Spencer. Richard, how are you doing today? I'm really well. Go me yourself. I'm doing good. I'm doing good. We have a little bit of a time difference because Richard is coming to us from London. So the international scope of the Fat Guy Forum is expanding. You know, I've, I, I actually, I, I look at the analytics and I actually have people listening all over the world. So it's nice to, to branch out the guests a little bit. So I'm just excited we're finally getting a chance to talk, man. Yeah, it's uh, great to finally catch up. And yeah, it's, it's a great podcast. So I think yeah, it should be heard around the world. Well, I, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Thank you. And Let's let's not delay it then, and let's get right to it, man. Why don't you tell the listeners what qualifies you to be on the Fat Guy Forum? Like uh, many people on the Fat Guy Forum, obviously I was uh, very fat uh, for most of my life, really. Um, I think even, even from a small child, I was just always bigger than everyone in class. And, you know, it's just one of those things. It's like every year we, everyone got a bit taller and filled out differently. But I always just seemed to get a bit fatter and a bit fatter. And I was never very good at sports. No one in my family was. So it wasn't that I was discouraged from playing sports, but I was never, it was just never a thing we really did. Um, you know, but we did a lot of eating. So, you know, that was one thing we, d- we did do well as a family. Um, and, you know, we were quite poor when we grew up. So I always think, you know, food was that reward for us, really. You know, it was the one f- sort of indulgence we could have. You know, we didn't really go on holidays when I was a kid. I think we went to Disneyland, France uh, once or twice and a few holidays within England. Um, but that was about it, really. So food was always our sort of go-to indulgence. And, you know, my the rest of my family are quite big as well. So it was always that thing. And I always just had an appetite as a kid. I always just could – it always just seemed like I could eat so much more than everyone else. And, uh, you know, it was sort of just this gradual process, really. It was never like some people just go overnight. But for me, it's just a constant weight gain, constant weight gain. Um yeah. And, you know, to the point where it just starts, you know, you just notice that you're physically different. You look different from all your friends. You know, I remember even as like probably like an 11 or 12 year old having to start shopping in like the, the men's section and like getting small men's clothes. And my auntie was like, oh, that's fine. You're a small man now. You know, but I'm like, no, I'm like an 11 year old kid. I probably shouldn't be wearing men's clothes. Mm. Uh, but, you know, but, you know, it's weird how quickly we normalize these things as well. And they sort of just become, well, that's just my life now. That's that's how I do things. You know, I wear these big cl- bigger clothes and that's fine. Uh, so for all that high school, really, I, I just continued to be the big guy in my year. You know, I was always the big guy. You know, I started playing rugby when I got to high school. Um, 
and that was fine. You know, I was, I was the big fat guy, so I played the prop, which is like you know the guy at the front of the pack. And, you know, the bigger you are, that's pretty cool because you can push harder, particularly you know, when you're pushing against the sixteen-year-olds, you know, fifteen-year-olds. You know, when you've got like five or seven stone on them, you know, it's pretty uh, pretty useful. So yeah, so they just sort of you know kept going, kept going, I kept getting bigger and bigger, and throughout university I got bigger and bigger. Um, but in my first year at university, I actually met a friend. Uh, he was vegan, uh, and he was always really into healthy eating. And he was like, "Oh man, you should try this. You should go to the gym." And he was really encouraging. So after my first year, I said, "Yeah, I'll try this with you." So I signed up to the gym. I started eating vegan. I was just training mentally, like seven days a week doing all this cardio stuff and I lost quite a lot of weight so I never weighed myself at that time because I was always too embarrassed to step on the scale or look in the mirror really mm-hmm. you know it's amazing like how I just I'd always like if there's a mirror my eyes would just dart down instantly like my eyes just skim the mirror because I just didn't want to see myself my reflection and then so for, with his help we sort of trained you know we lost I lost quite a bit of weight um but the, I think the issue was that I never actually learned about nutrition it's just if you swap from a diet of pizza and ice cream to eating a lot of plants and carbohydrates then you will lose weight regardless of um compared to your previous diet but you know eventually that weight started to creep back on and then I finished uni I was working and you know when you're working and you have a car I have a bit more disposable income so you know I could go to the ship drive myself to the shops I could you know buy Ben and Jerry's which you know my family never really bought before I could buy all these extra things you know and I worked at McDonald's as well for a while so it was like the killer mm-hmm. com- the killer combo <laughs> you know it just kept getting worse and worse and it kept getting heavier and heavier and then you know you get to the point where you know it was almost uh, for me personally it was like embarrassing being in public quite a lot because you know you'd get those head turns you get those looks and probably at my biggest I was probably around 400 pounds uh, you know which to compare to some of the guys you've had on your podcast you know is, is, is nothing compared to their journeys but you know still for me it felt like you know this was you know, it was just almost like a freak show, really. That's sometimes how I felt, you know. Um, yeah. yeah, you know, you're walking around and you just know people are looking at you and everything's so much more difficult in life. Um, you know, going to restaurants, you know, and so, so many people talk about these experiences because they're so universal to guys when you're that big. It's, you know, sitting on those seats thinking, is this chair actually going to break if I sit on it? And I don't think, you know, it's, try, it's so hard trying to explain that to people because they can't contemplate that they, you would anyone would even think that about sitting on a chair and yes it's just all these extra things started out and then I got so I didn't I'm not originally from London I used to live near Birmingham in the Midlands so I I got a job in London so I moved down um, and it was like a shift shift work at at an airport Um, and I didn't really know anyone at London at the time so I was there I was in London I was you know, uh, I didn't have many friends. Plus, I was working shifts, so you know, the few friends I did have, you know, they're not going to be free on a Tuesday or a Wednesday, which are the days I would have off. So, you know, what else? You know, I didn't do a lot besides, you know, eat, eat more. You know, I go to the shop, and man, I just thought like the binges I used to have, and I used to do it like daily. The amount of food I could consume was just insane. You know, I'd um. I would, I'd like almost get like a little thrill of excitement thinking, right, I'm going to go to the shop now and just buy all this food. 
Uh, and then for me, it was always go in and just get as much food as you can for the cheapest price. So if there's stuff discounted, I was just throwing it in the basket. I'd be like, oh, that's great. That's great. And like, I'd buy like food that I know I would eat just for the drive back from the shop. So I had like my food that I'd eat when I got home, but then also a separate food that I'd eat just to get back from the shop. And that food would probably be more than most people would eat if they were just treating themselves to some stuff from the shop anyway. It's a crazy to quite, it wasn't even a, like a particularly long drive that you had to get to that shop. <laughs> but, you know, it's just I would just consume it almost mindlessly. Uh, so, yeah, my, and, you know, my weight continued to to get heavier and heavier. And, you know, I had to wear a uniform for work. And this was one thing that always stuck with me. So I had like the biggest size pants they did. Um, I had like a shirt and then I had to wear a jumper. Um, but the problem was the shirt, like I couldn't do it up past the top four buttons. Uh, I could, do, I could do it up, but like I think for for fatter guys, when when you sort of realise like shirts for me have always been the enemy because your body changes so much when you sit down and stand up. It's like when that when that stomach pushes out, it's like game over for shirts. Uh, and like, I know it's like you recently have been like buying a lot of shirts, uh, the flower shirts, because it's just nice being able to like sit down and like not like think is, is it going to explode, you know, or it's just so like open between the buttons that it looks ridiculous on you. Oh, and uh, and it's funny because I don't think people realize that, like, especially like when and and I find it funny, like especially as I was losing, and I would post a picture in a new shirt, and people would say, you know, that shirt's too big on you, and I'm like. Well, you don't you don't understand when I sit down, I'm bigger. Like, you yeah, know, it's it's it, the shirt is so much tighter when I sit down. The buttons start to split. I'm worried about what's going to happen to them. Like, so give me my give me my moment because you, you it's something you have to think about. Like when your body is that big, like those adjustments you have to make. Yeah, it's just so crazy, and but and so, so I could so I always had so I always every day I'd wear my jumper over my shirt and just do the top four buttons up. Can, like, you, can you do? Can you do me a favor, Richard? Because yeah. you are you know, a majority of the audience is going to be in the U.S. Um, okay, and I, I don't want them to 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 miss out on what you're talking about. Can you just tell everyone very you know indulge us and just tell us very quickly what a jumper is? Uh, so I guess you call it a pullover. Is that like a you know it goes over your shirt and it's yeah, it's like normally by the wall. There we go. Well, I, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but I knew you were saying it, and I'm like, I know there's going to be someone out there who's like, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what he's, I don't know what he's talking about. It reminds me of like one of those TikTok videos of someone trying to explain, you know, what we call something over here versus what something is called in another country, and and total kind of miscommunication. So I just wanted to clear, you know, make sure people understood what you were talking about. No worries, Gummy. So yeah, so yeah, so it'd be like. Uh, again, obviously, I don't know the temperature differences, but it'd be like really hot because I worked in an airport mm-hmm. and I'd still have to wear this wool jumper because it's a proper wool jumper because I couldn't do my shirt up and it's not like I can walk around with half my stomach hanging out at work. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's just everyone was like, oh, are you not hot? And I'd always have to be like, no, I'm not hot. But like, I clearly I'd have like the reddest, reddest face you've ever seen and like sweating oh, profusely. But, you know, but again, it's one of those things that you will just normalize in your head. And, you know, you know, that's fine because in my head, I found a way to cheat the system. That's how I like to describe it. You know, I could, you know, no one had to know that I couldn't fit in this because now I, because if you know, someone just looked at me, they wouldn't think, is that guy's top four buttons only done up? Uh, so, yeah. And, 
so yeah it's just that and then there's all those just just constant experiences like I, I went traveling and i remember just getting on the plane and just like spilling over into the seat next to me and like just trying to like squish myself as hard as i physically could into like the side of my chair just because i didn't i felt bad at infringing on the other person's space um and yeah it's just all those sorts of nuances and like particularly living in london we have the uh, underground system the tube and it's like you can get on one side but then three stops down and the doors might open on the other side and it's like just trying to think okay now i need to push through this extremely crowded carriage to get out the other side it's just such a mind game because i'm thinking i'm gonna have to squeeze past all these people and it's not like when everyone else was squeezing past people you know it's like i take up considerably more space than everyone else so there's going to be having to be a significant parting of the people to get me through and it's almost like you're just like just like forcing yourself through these gaps and it's it's just all this mental things that you have to deal with all the time that just made it so much more difficult to be out in the world and out in public and you know it just builds up all the time i think and, they, yeah. and it just gets on top of you so much and i think that's why you close yourself off from the world you know it's so much easier just to stay inside and um, particularly in modern society because there's i don't think there's anything you can't get delivered to your door now oh for sure and i think that's i think you hit on something really big there that that people don't often think about like when you get to be you know that kind of oversized in the world like it's not just a physical challenge that you face. Like it's a mental challenge. It's those mind games that you have to play with yourself. Like as you're talking about, you know, navigating your way out of the tube, like I think about like, yeah, like I would, when I would get into a restaurant with friends and we're going to have to navigate between like tight tables, you start to look and see like, what is the best route for me to get there? Like you have to like constantly be looking one step ahead to make sure you're going to fit into a space. or You're going to be able to get through a space. Like you have to push up on your tiptoes so your belly goes over the back of their chair and stuff like that. <laughs> and and then yeah. all the all the all the apologizing for brushing against people and knowing that you're gonna you know kind of impinge on their space. Yeah, and it's just yeah, it's just like like it's never an enjoyable experience. And even if you're out with your friends enjoying it, I think always in the back of my mind was at some point I have to leave. At some point I have to do this again. Uh, and, you know, eventually it got to the point where, like, you know, where I was just sort of just, you know, looking for, like, you know, I'd always be like, oh, I can't make it, guys, I can't make it, I can't make it. Or I'd always say, yeah, you know, I'll, you know, I'll come. And then, like, as soon as I say I'll come, I'd be like, what excuse can I say not to go now? Because, you know, as much as, you know, you love being with your friends, you love being socializing, you know, it's always it's just such a different experience for me compared to them. And, you know, I don't think you you i don't know it's so difficult to vocalize that to them or try and explain how you think to them because most people go don't worry about it no one's looking at you but you know they are right and you know you know that if you start to really explain it to them then you're going to deal with you know the, the pity side of things or you know are they going to feel bad for realizing what it what it means for you to be a part of that situation and like so you it's almost like you become you know it's, it's easier to not engage yeah definitely and you know for me yeah and when i was going through this as well it's like every day for me was like right today's the day we start today is we're going to change our lives and you know we're going to get slim we're going to get the abs we're going to do everything right um so for me it'd always be like okay so if tomorrow the diet starts then we're going to blow it hard tonight you know 
you know, get the Domino's, get the Ben and Jerry's, go down the shop, get everything I want to eat because I'm not going to eat it anymore. And then I'd wake up with almost like, if to me, it always used to feel like a hangover from the food. Like, I don't know if it's just the sodium or just the bloating or, you know, those things combined. But I'd feel so bloated and sick and just unwell that I wouldn't want to eat all day and then it'd get to like six o'clock in the evening then i'd start feeling really hungry again and then it'd be like well why don't i just push it back another day just push it back another day uh and i think one of the key things that i realized like not until like the start of this year was no matter what i ate it would never be enough to make me think i'm done now that i don't need to eat any more bad food because i'm completely satiated i'm completely satisfied with eating that bad food yeah, well, th- I mean, that, that that's a big realization, like that right there, like, you know, not to jump, you know, af- ahead to that, but like, th- there's something powerful there when you come to that realization that no matter what you do, it's never going to be enough. Like, it's just never, you know, it, you're always going to want, you know, one more, like you said, one more time chasing that thrill, one more time, you know, making that happen. You know, it's in a lot of ways, you know, like, that's the language of addiction. Like, it's not, it's not about scratching an itch or, or you know, curing a, you know, hitting a craving, you know, like that hits the spot. It's like, you think you're hitting the spot, but a few minutes later, you know, the spot's back again. Yeah. I, like it, I mean, I, I literally do think it is an addiction. I was like, I don't think like people realize like who don't, you know, who haven't got to that weight, just what your relationship is like with food and like, just like just how much you crave it and think about it. And also because I think because you've closed your world after so many other experiences or way of enjoying things, that is the one of like the only few ways you can enjoy life is, you know, getting that dopamine rush from all that food. And, you know, if that's the only thing that's going to make you happy, then why are you going to deny yourself that if, if nothing else is, you know, particularly in my life at the time, nothing else is particularly making me that happy. Oh, I think that makes complete sense, man. And, and what, so what finally, cause like you you know, you talked about, you know, setting up, you know, tomorrow the diet starts tomorrow. Okay. Maybe I'll start it the next day tomorrow. I'll, I'll do it the next day. You know, you're kind of on that, on that train, like where w- take us to what kind of, kind of finally was your breaking point. So, you know, I, yeah, I don't, I don't particularly have like a defining moment where like something happened and I just thought, this is it now. It was, I think it was more like a, for me, it was more like a slow process to get there. So, you know, so we're still in that journey of always thinking I'll start, I'll start. But then I'd recently just moved houses uh, and I, and the place I lived in previously was like typical London accommodation. They just, all the rooms are bedrooms. So you had your own bedroom, but there's no shared space. But the place I moved to now was shared. So it was like, so people can see me eat now. You know, people can see what I'm, uh, I'm at a table with a knife and fork. They can see, you know, you know, well, I can still take food in my room and hide it and eat it. You know, it's not, you know, it's not as uh, sociable if I'm just always in my room eating, particularly because I'd moved in with friends that I knew. So, so I remember just one day I was, I've been like, you know, looking at a lot of Instagram, watching a lot of YouTube videos about fitness because, you know, I was always sort of into that stuff and, you know, trying to, I guess I was always just trying to figure out the perfect formula for me or, you know, who, who could promise the best results the quickest. Cause you know, there's so many things I think every fat guy has tried at some point you know thinking mm-hmm. i just need like a month or a couple of weeks and i'll drop this amount of weight and then you know then things will sort of be okay then i won't have to worry about it as much uh so you know i was also chasing that quick fix really for me but 
Yeah, so I remember just one day I'd obviously been to get food and I was just sitting out there eating something and I just thought tomorrow is the day I'm going to start. I'm going to, I just thought, I just thought I'd do, I thought I was going to have to change my life in ways that I, that I'm not doing things now. So I said tomorrow I'm going to just start eating chicken and broccoli and I'm going to go to the gym at five o'clock in the morning because that's what really fit people do and that really healthy people do. As stupid and naive as, as that is now, it was my starting point. So, uh, so you know, I woke up at five, felt groggy as hell. I felt, you know, but dragged myself to the gym, looked at most of the stuff and thought, if I, if I go on this, I'm probably going to be over the weight limit and break it. So what can I do? Well, I can do the sit-down exercise bike. So let's do that. So, you know, I did some of that. I did some of the, a few of the machines, the, you know, the pec deck and things like that, a few other things. And then I left. And I, that day I ate chicken and broccoli. I started my Instagram. I took a photo of me at the start of the day. I took a photo when I went to the gym. I took a photo of all my meals. And I was like, this is just going to have to be my process now. I'm going to have to start mm. logging this, recording it. Uh, and I think, you know, I think as, you know, social media isn't always the best thing in the world. But I think, you know, there's a great community out there for people who want to lose weight. And I think, you know, I mean, the fact that I'm talking to you today is because of Instagram. You know, I, yeah, I, think I, I randomly just saw one of your posts on the like on the search wall, and I was like, you said something that I really connected with or understood, and I was just like, wow, this guy's awesome. And then, you know, I followed your journey since then, and you know, there's all these amazing people out there who have great content, who are on inspiring journeys themselves, and I think you know we can all take something from that, and we can all give each other a boost up, and that's what I was, you know, was looking for. You know, for you know, if I'm posting it every day, then I'm accountable as well. You know, people could see if I'm doing it or not. So you know, I started this really slow process of you know, I was eating really, you know, really bland, boring food, but very healthy, in those sense, uh, and just going to the gym and just doing what I could on the exercise bike. Now I probably kept at this for like a month or so, and then I was like. And then as I was learning more about training and nutrition, just through YouTube and Instagram, you know, I started changing things up. You know, I started focusing more on lifting weights. I focused more on sort of eating a higher protein diet. And sort of slowly that weight started coming off. And, you know, then you know, I think when you start doing it initially, then when you first start getting those compliments off people, then it really sort of reaffirms itself to you. You think, okay, this is awesome. I'm really enjoying this. You know, it's sort of, it's sort of self-affirming. Uh, and then but uh, I never weighed myself unfortunately at the start of my journey because I, I didn't think I had a scale that was big enough and I was probably too embarrassed to do it at the same time uh, but I did weigh myself after four months of working pretty damn hard you know eating quite a very restricted diet and exercising very religiously um you know, six, seven times a week. And yeah, I, I was at 333 pounds the first time I weighed myself. Mm. Uh, I was quite shocked at that. I, I thought I was going to be a lot lower. And I was like, wow, this is, <laughs> yeah, I was like, this is going to take a long time. <laughs> yeah. And I think, I think that's, that's the hardest part, I think, for most people to realize is just how long it's going to take. And then, because, you know, there's so many, like, if someone said to you now, I need you to go run 200 miles, you know, you, your brain couldn't fathom that. You wouldn't be able to physically do that. Um, you know, but if you said, right, run a mile today, run a mile the next day, and do this for 200 days, and then you've run the 200 miles, it's a very different story. 
So, yeah, so I kept going, I kept exercising, you know, sort of adapting my training. I got down to about 298 pounds uh, after six months. Then I went on a short holiday and it was nice sort of just being able to sort of fit in the plane seats, you know, oh, yeah, it's still snug, it's still tight, but I didn't need a seatbelt extender, you know. Yeah, it was all those things, um, yeah, but it still wasn't. You know, still at 300 pounds, you know, we stayed in a hostel and I ended, the only bunk that was left was a top bunk. And I was just like, oh my God, this is going to, I was like, I'm going to fall through and crush the person beneath me. <laughs> uh, like, yeah, so luckily, like, you know, it was just like a steel bed frame. So, so it, it held, it held. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so, so I still had those experiences and, you know, still all those things to deal with and, you know, still you know get being out and about in 300 pounds is still a difficult task you know walking about is still challenging um and then i you know i, I was like i want to set myself some new goals because it's sort of the towards the turn of the year so my housemate sort of encouraged me to sign up for a triathlon with him a sprint one um oh, wow. so, yeah so that was like eight months away so i had eight months to train for it and to get in the best shape i could so so I, you know, I really started sort of trying to focus a lot more on the cardio because I've been just been mainly focused on sort of lifting weights with like some elliptical machine in between. Really, that's sort of that was my go-to cardio, uh, and I just kept grinding. And I think that's like the best sort of way for it. Really, is just it's just a constant grind. It's day in, day out, um, and you know, it's so hard to just keep going every day but it's just that consistency is the only thing that is going to do it for you the only thing that's going to do it for you uh so you know we were, i was training for that then i after a sort of after a year i was down to about 230 pounds so i was you know i lost 100 pounds in a year which you know everyone's sort of like it, it was really great but you know you don't have to lose 100 pounds in a year i think you know sometimes I became a little bit obsessive with trying to lose that weight as quick as I could. Um, so that was always something in the back of my mind. And then, and then I then I got to a chance to go work in India. Uh, so my work sent me to India for five months, which was uh, which was just the most amazing experience. Um, particularly because I went to India when I was around about 400 pounds and it was actually quite a chasing experience um i don't know if you've ever traveled to india gourmet um, uh, it's an amazing place but it's very chaotic very crazy uh but as a as a white person people like to just stop and look at you uh, and it yeah and people like to actually just come up and ask for photos with you just because you're white i, I don't i don't know why there's just something that people do there but that's fine but when you're probably the fattest person they've ever seen in their life and you're white it was like i was like i was a bigger spectacle than like the taj mahal oh, yeah. <laughs> and so you know so it, as much as i enjoyed the holiday it was quite tough you know constantly sort of being this sideshow to everything and having everyone constantly look at me um so to go back you know you know, around about the 230 pound mark was, was amazing because, you know, you know, still 230 pounds isn't the slimmest guy, but from where I was, you know, 
you know, I could just do everything I wanted to do. You know, I could just walk around the streets and yeah, it's such an amazing experience. And, you know, I was so grateful for it to be there. Uh, and thankfully the place I stayed had a gym and a swimming pool so I could do all my triathlon training. So I'd get up before work, you know, I'd be on the treadmill running, swimming, building towards this triathlon. And then as I came back, I had one more month to go for my triathlon. So, you know, I was training really hard for that. Uh, and then, then it came the day of the triathlon in, in August, 2018, so I did a sprint triathlon, which is like half a triathlon, but, you know, I'm still proud that I did that. Um, yeah, from there, from, because, so a sprint triathlon just is like a 5K run, an 800-meter swim, and a 20K bike ride. Um, so I suck at swimming. I'm, I'm the worst swimmer ever. I, I look like a fish just slapping the water. So... <laughs> and particularly when you start a triathlon everyone's converges together to, and they, everyone wants to be on the right hand side closest to the chat the outside channel because it's the shortest route so people are like swimming over you you're getting kicked you're getting punched uh yeah and like yeah, because like it was like a massive it was like it's, it's the london triathlon so it's one of the biggest ones uh in the uk so it's a huge event and yeah so I like came out of the water and I was, I was exhausted. Uh, and something about swimming in the water for like 25 minutes. I sort of came out and like, almost have, have like sea legs and my legs were like a little bit like jelly. So I had to like grab the railing just to steady myself. And then as you're doing that, someone just runs behind you, just pulls the zip down on your wetsuit. And then you have to like strip your wetsuit off. So you're just in your like swimming trunks and then shove it into a bag and then like run around. To get, to get to your bike and where all your other where your clothes are stashed and obviously yeah, I was probably about 220, 210 at the time and obviously it's sort of when you're a big guy losing that much weight you know you're, for me personally I would, just, I would never feel comfortable having my shirt off so yeah, being in my trunks in front of like 60, 70 people at that point everyone just chanting it was like the most embarrassing situation I could think of so I sort of just pick my wetsuit up positioned it very carefully in front of my chest and my stomach and sort of just uh, just tried to run as quickly as I could around the corner so no one could see me. So then you you get to your bike, you, you quickly change into your sort of biking gear, then you, you do the bike and that was, that was a re- quite a nice experience because there's a lot of people on the roadside sort of cheering you on. Um, my, family, my family came down to watch me. Um, so that was great and then you sort of finished that and then you sort of come into the dock your bike where you put it before and then you get ready for your run and oh my god i've never my legs have never felt so stiff and so unable to move in their life it's like someone had just replaced them to straight wooden planks but they were so dead and i was like i was running thinking i might have to walk i might have to walk and i was like i just want to keep going i just want to keep going and there was some crazy motivational song on uh, because they were like pumping music around the final stage and that's where most of the spectators are gathered. Uh, and I just sort of became a little bit overwhelmed with emotion, really. I felt just like, you know, I felt this great sense of accomplishment because I don't really think I particularly felt proud of myself in my life. Like, you know, I never really felt like I'd achieved a massive amount um, and this was, I actually felt proud of myself, but this is something I've really gone out and accomplished. Uh, 
uh, yeah, and I was, I was glad I had sunglasses on because underneath I was like tearing up, and I was just like, oh, thank God. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I was just like, thank God no one can see my eyes at the moment because I just no, they just see this guy running around crying. They're like, why is he crying? Uh, <laughs> but as I I came around and I, I finished, and my housemate who did it with me, he finished before me, uh, and he was waiting for me at the finish line, and my mum was at the side, and so she sort of ran like the last hundred meters along cheering me on, uh, and it was it, it was a truly amazing experience uh and yeah i think yeah to go from where i was to sort of you know i remember times when just the thought of walking a mile was like beyond incomprehensible uh yeah and particularly i think when you're when you're that size as well you know like i don't think people realize just how stressful it is just walking you know my back would just be hurting all the time you know i remember just like you know standing for like 10 minutes and be like i need to sit down soon you know my back's really aching now and you have this like con- i guess you, know, you have this constant like pull on all your muscles and your joints and you know for me it was always a case of you know get from point a to point b and then just relax but so to be able to go and do this was a huge accomplishment uh and always be one of the proudest sporting accomplishments i've definitely done uh and then since then really i've you know i've gone on to try different things i did jiu-jitsu for a while uh i started playing rugby i ran a few 10ks um um and then i sort of blew my knee out to, uh, towards the back end of the year in 2018 from running uh and it's you know i'm one of those people i never go to the doctors i still haven't been to the doctors about it and i really should um but <laughs> i think you know when you get to when you're particularly a big guy as well you're like you know that you're gonna have to have an awkward conversation about being overweight or that most of your problems come from being overweight um because yeah you know, when i was at my heaviest you know i definitely had gout because i used to get this the most horrendous pain in my big toe and you know yeah and it'd be it was almost like debilitating and like i'd literally just have to like shove it into my boots for work and then just like hobble around work you know i'm pretty sure i had sleep apnea because i used to wake up all the time and i'm pretty sure i was pre-diabetic because i used to get like a numbing in my hands all the time but i was always like i'm just gonna keep ignoring these problems and hope they go away But they never do, going. They never do. Uh, but uh, thankfully, they've gone away now, which is great. Uh, so, so blowing blowing my knee out sort of slowed my progress a bit. Uh, and then, you know, uh, and I started to not put on a massive amount of weight, but you know, I probably put on like 10, 15 pounds by Christmas. Uh, and I wasn't, you know, and I noticed it and I wasn't feeling comfortable, you know, people still hadn't seen me in a long time. were like, oh, you look amazing. You look great. And, you know, it's nice to hear those compliments, but they felt fake to me because I knew that I wasn't where I should be. So after Christmas, I was like, okay, I'm, I need to change things up. So like January, 2019, I was like, okay, you know, my diet till that point had you know, I, I ate oatmeal with protein most mornings. You know, I ate chicken and salad and kept it low carb pretty much minus the oatmeal and then just high protein and vegetables or salad. Um, so I was like, I'm going to switch it up. I'm going to go keto because, you know, I've seen so many like, people like yourself had such amazing results from it. And I was like, and my friend personally had been doing it and he had said, like, how amazing he felt, how great he felt, how much weight he'd lost. Uh, and, you uh, know, so I was like, okay, I'm going to go keto. So I figured out this like plan for myself and 
I don't know if you're the same. I know you're actually particularly into cooking for what you say, but I, I'm not particularly into cooking. And because I always have to cook for myself, I always just, I always like cooking on bulk and just, I'll eat the same thing like throughout the week, every single meal. So I, I made this, I made this meal plan and it was my, so my breakfast, I, which I actually love the breakfast. And I, I sometimes I do still eat a variation of this breakfast, but my breakfast would be like four eggs with some cheese, some spinach and a few tomatoes. And I actually just really enjoy that breakfast. And then my lunch would be like half an avocado, some, some, uh, some kale and spinach with, with some chicken drumsticks and then my dinner would be like a beef burger patty, the other half of the avocado, the other bit of kale and spinach. And then I'd have some nuts. And that was basically all I ate uh, for a month solid. Uh, and uh, and <clears throat> I was trying to do that, trying to, you know, I'd wake up in the morning at four o'clock before work, go to the gym to lift weights, come home, and then I'd try and go running. Or I'd go to jujitsu. So I was trying to do all that while I was eating this diet that I didn't particularly enjoy. Uh, and not because keto is a bad diet, because I'd made really bad choices in terms of really? the foods I'd chosen to eat every I, I knew I wasn't enjoying eating it and if you and I was and if you can't in your head think okay can I eat this for the next you know for the rest of my life which I couldn't think I'm going to eat this for the rest of my life because it was so bland and boring that you know my you know it's just like I remember my housemate walked past and I just literally had the bag of kale and spinach like mixed salad open and I was just putting it into my mouth and he's like you look so unhappy <laughs> so I was doing all of this and the weight was like trying to do all this, all that exercise and the weight was falling off, but I was, I was exhausted and I never felt so tired in my life. Like mm-hmm. from the moment I, I woke up, my legs just felt drained from the running or the exercise. Um, I remember one day I was like, I had to go to bed at like seven thirty in the evening. Cause I was just so exhausted um, so I started doing less training, uh, which became a little bit frustrating. Um, cause you know, so I, I was doing so much like training, so much volume, uh, and I, you know, started dialing back because I was just like, I'm so tired all the time. And then it just eventually got to the point where I was just like, I said, oh, I've had enough. And so I was like, I went to the shop and I like, I went back into that binge mode and you know, I bought some Ben and Jerry's, I bought some chocolate, I bought some sweets. I ate like crap that night, but you know, I woke up and my legs didn't feel tired. I was like, Oh, this is, this feels so much better. Keto must just be a bad diet for me, which, mm. which, which, you know, it's just completely in, you know, illogical thinking from my part is because, you know, obviously I, I excessively trained ate too few calories. You know, I think I, at the point I was eating around about 1,750 calories, and I was trying to like eat lift weights every morning, either go on 10 K runs in the evening or go do like two hours of jujitsu. Uh, I, was, I was like, 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 no wonder you felt tired, Rich. Uh, so you're trying to do this. And so I fell off the wagon a bit, you know, sort of went back to my old diet, but you know, then though, and I sort of, I think, I don't know if that binge triggered me or because I've been so restrictive for that month, you know, I you know, slowly started, you know, you know, oh, it's the weekend. Let's, let's have some biscuits. That's fine. Let's have some, you know, 
And you know, even I remember like, always when I went to restaurants, I had the, always had this mentality. But like, I'd order my meal, but then I'd order an extra side, and then and that's how things always built up with me. So yeah, I'd go get a pack of biscuits, and you know, I'll eat those on a Saturday, and then I could go back to normal sometimes. But then you know, eventually it'd be like, well, I'll get a pack of biscuits, and I'll get something else, and there's something else, and then it built up slowly to the point again where you know I was binge eating again, and you know, I wasn't committed to my training as much and I was slowly putting back on the weight uh, throughout the year. Um, and, you know, be- you know, I began to notice and then, you know, that's why I stopped going to jiu-jitsu, you know. You know, even when I was going to jiu-jitsu anyway, I was always one of the bigger guys, you know, I'm six foot two and I was probably about two, 210, maybe two, yeah, uh, probably at my leanest at that point. You know, and so people always like, oh, you're the bigger guy. And, you know, as I put on weight, you know, people... I don't think, you know, said it horribly, you know, I think jiu-jitsu is amazing and there's a lot like respect to in, you know, when you roll with people, but, you know, it's always like, oh, how much do you weigh? You're a big guy. Uh, and, you know, particularly with jiu-jitsu, it's all about putting your weight on people. And that concept for me, particularly from being a big guy, was so alien to me. You know, it was, it was really tough to do for me. Uh, and, you know, particularly when you're being asked all the time, oh, oh, oh you're a big guy, you know, what do you weigh? And, you know, not maliciously, it's just, um, I think they're just interested to know, you know, from a rolling perspective, you know, if they can handle a guy that size. Uh, so, yeah, and it started to affect me and not my confidence and, you know, the weight started, you know, to get more and more. So I stopped going to jujitsu. I stopped training as hard. And, you know, I sort of fell into that pattern again of binge eating and particularly from, cause you know, I got a new job, you know, I got promotion in that time and, you know, I could work from home two days a week and, uh, cause I knew my housemates wouldn't be in here. It was, you know, it was easy to go to the shop and buy stuff where that they wouldn't see. And then I, I would, you know, I'd shove it into the bin but make sure it sort of went down the side of the bin. So it sort of wouldn't be at the top. And it's so embarrassing to like talk about or mention the fact that you had to hide that. But it's you know it's one of those realities you deal with. Uh, and it got to uh, I think then by sort of Christmas 2019, you know, I was probably back up to about 245. Uh, and you know a lot of the clothes were feeling tight, and you know, I'd stopped wearing certain things that I'd bought because I knew they didn't fit well, or you know they couldn't do up. So I was like, okay, well let's. I was like, so things aren't working out, so I need to change things. I need to do things differently. And I was like, I know I had great results with keto. Um, and I know it works. I know, you know, it can work for not everyone, but it can work really well for people. So I was like, let's do it, but let's commit to it in a different way. Let's buy some proper keto cookbooks. Let's buy the proper kitchen equipment let's make some let's actually invest time in cooking make food that i enjoy eating and you know i don't have to i don't have to be able to run 10k every single day i don't have to be weightlifting every single day so i thought let's do things differently so i bought a food journal and a training log and i'd write down everything i ate i'd write down all my workouts i had a big year planner on my wall and every day i would weigh myself and at the end of the day when i'd just before i went to bed just when i'd you know eaten well and trained i'd put an x to say you know i was happy with that day i'd accomplished that day uh you know and, I, and the weight started to come off slowly again and that was really great. 
you know, and I started feeling a lot happier. And, you know, I was you know, experimenting in the kitchen. I was making different things. You know, I found, you know, for me, I'm never going to be the world's greatest cook. But, you know, I found a bunch of recipes that I really liked. And, you know, I used to mix them up quite a lot. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I kept losing weight. And now I'm in, I'm in the best place I've ever been, you know, in terms of mental health wise. I think, you know, I do a lot of journaling now. I do a lot of reflecting. I read my daily stoic, which I know you're a fan of. Um, and yeah, I mean, I'm down to 185 pounds now, which is the, uh, you know, I want to get to 170. That's my goal. Uh, I started playing some team sports before the coronavirus cut everything down. Uh, I was playing, I started playing rugby, uh, for, for, you know, for my company's team. And that was amazing to get back into that. Uh, you know, I was, I was training, but like sensibly training, you know, I, I started following a, a proper workout plan. Um, and it's just things were going, yeah, things are going great at the moment. ELA, even though with coronavirus, then there's no gym. I've got back into running a lot. Um, so I'm trying to sort of build up my miles. So I've bought a training journal for that and I'm logging my miles. I'm logging my times. So I do specific sessions, uh, you know, and I, you know, I found a way now that things work for me. I do schedule sort of cheat days once a month, just, uh, just to treat myself really. But, um, but that's, you know, I sort of negotiate that with myself uh, when I'll do that. And that's normally sort of when I hit a weight marker for myself personally. So I had my last one when I got um, just under 190 pounds. I'm not sure when my next one will be, maybe when I hit 180 pounds. Um, but yeah, I think yeah, I finally found a system and a way that works for me that I actually sort of, you know, can enjoy myself. And, you know, like an alcoholic, yeah, I always wonder if I'll ever have that good relationship with food. And, I, you know, I honestly don't think I... I think sometimes I might never have that relationship with food where I can just be like a quote unquote normal person and I can go out and just have, you know, have a bit of pizza and some chocolate and then just be perfectly fine the next day. Um, so, you know, that's one thing I would like to try and work on, but for now I'm, I'm happy where I am. Well, that that's amazing, man. And you, you've taken us through a lot of that. And so there's a couple of things, you know, I think it's important for us to kind of dig into a little bit. Like first, I, I want to kind of go all the way back, you know, to your bigger days because you you said something that I, I think is is important for people to realize. You know, when you talked about the normalization of your behavior, you know how that built as your as your normal, and I think people don't realize like they look at someone that's four hundred pounds and they think, well, how can you do that? How can you eat like that? How can you live like that? And they don't realize that like the our brains are so flexible that we can make almost anything normal. You know, we make no bad. It's sorry, yeah, it's it's crazy. I like this is like probably the most embarrassing thing I've ever told anyone. But I was I was so scared of like I don't know like in America if it's the same, but like our bathtubs are made of like um like a fiberglass plasticky material. And I was so scared I was so scared of breaking it. I used to shower with one foot in the shower and I'd leave one foot outside and then I'd swap around halfway halfway through. Because I thought if I stand on this and it cracks how am I going to explain that to anyone else? Like no one is ever going to have done that. Oh, and then you build that, but you build that way to adapt. Like instead of that being, instead of that being the thing you think, you know, and I think that's what speaks to the addict brain. Like instead of thinking I have to take a shower with one foot out of this shower to feel safe, I really need to do something to change. You think, 
okay, one foot out, one foot in, you know, I'll just do this. And that like, for me, like I, I think about when I was at my heaviest and how I used to carry things around with me to help me clean myself after I used the bathroom. And it's like, now I think about that. And I'm like, when you're at a point where you're actually Googling, you know, wiping extension, you know, and figuring that out, you know, and that doesn't change your behavior, like that speaks to the power of that normalization. Yeah, and it's so easy to do. And then, you know, and also like, you, you know, you give yourself all those excuses why, why, you know, why you can't do it or why you're different or, uh, and particularly for me, you know, I think, you know, made me a little bit bitter at the time, a little bit frustrated because I was sort of like, I, you know, I felt angry that I wasn't having all the same experiences as everyone else, but then I, I was willing to do nothing to change it. And I think that's, but then you don't rationalize that in your head that it's all on you. Oh, uh, it, it is. And like that also is like a, is a really big point. I think that people, you have to get to that point in the logic in your head where you realize that, you know, as upset as you're getting at things not being quote unquote normal for you, your behavior and actions play a part in that. And it's it's easy for to live for a long time not seeing, you know, the incongruence there, like not seeing that I'm doing one thing. I'm saying I want one thing, but I'm doing another because you're like you're able to kind of keep your blinders on. But when you reach that point where you realize, OK, that if I want to get to this place, it's going to take me actually making some real lasting change that things can get, you know, more powerful in, in terms of what you're doing. Yeah, and like to, to, to and also to realize it's it's going to be a long process, a long change. It's like because you know we're so you know everything's instant gratification these days. You know, yeah. You know, if you're if you're four hundred pounds, you're not going to get abs in thirty days. You know, I haven't you know I haven't got abs in thirty months, so it's not going to get any quicker. Oh, for sure, man. And I think there's there's something really powerful to your to your journey because I think. There's probably people listening right now that heard us talking about, you know, as you were recanting the story of or recounting the story of uh, the triathlon and kind of taking us to that moment. And I think there's obviously that's an amazing accomplishment to think that you, you know, were 400 pounds and then you did that. Like, I think that's incredible. And I think there's a lot of people that think, okay, story's done. You know, he did this amazing thing. You know, he clearly conquered all of his demons and everything's great. And he could just, you know, he then ran off into the sunset and, and every day was riding his bike and running and, and swimming. And every day just did that for the rest of his life and everything was fine. And I think your, your journey shows that sometimes the adaptation takes time and it takes being willing to kind of be mindful about it. Like I, I think about like your two different goes at keto, like that first time were you doing keto, you were, but had you built it in a way that, like you said, could you see yourself eating that for the rest of your life? And when you start to think about, I'm going to have to eat this for the rest of my life, I can't do that. And that's when you start thinking about other foods and other things start to come back in and you have those moments. And like for, for people like us, like it's so easy for that slope to get really slippery and to very quickly, you know, like you said, wake up and find yourself now going from working out six or seven times, you know, a week, more than once a day and eating this very set amount of food. And next thing you know, like the workouts have fallen to the wayside and you're, you're, you're sneaking food when your, your flatmates aren't home and you're 245 pounds. Yeah. It's, uh, 
yeah, it's, it's crazy. I think you know you you always have to be you're always going to be have to be mindful of it. Um, I, I think you know particularly you know for guys that have been large, you know, it's just one of those things that that's, you know we're always going to have to be thinking about it, and that's what I think is great about. You know, obviously, uh, you know, I went dark on Instagram as you know, as so many people do as they regain the weight. Um, but also, part of that, uh, you know, particularly now, like, you know, I don't post as much because, uh, you know, I think, I think, oh, I can't post this again. I can't post this again. But that's what's great about people like yourself and other people. You know, you might you might post the same thing day in day out, but that's because that's the reality. That's the grind. That's what you have to do to keep things in check or and to move towards your goals. Oh, for sure, man. And, and that's, and, and I think you hit on something also that's really important. And, and like it, you said, you're not sure if you'll ever have that quote unquote normal relationship. And we throw the word normal around a lot. Like, and I know some people get really offended by it. Like I'm normal, you know, everyone's normal. And it's like, when we say a normal relationship with food, people know what we're talking about, you know, like that obviously clicks that into place. And it let, you know, you know what that means. Like you said, that you're able to have that piece of pizza like like a person who isn't then going to obsess about pizza for the next 12 hours, you know, and isn't going to like I think about like the times where I would try to do things like that. And, you know, you're sharing a pizza with people and even, even when I was not dieting and immediately your thought isn't, oh, wow, this piece of pizza I'm eating is really great. It's is there another piece of pizza for me? And OK, there's there's two of us or there's three of us and there's an even number of pieces of pizza. So there's going to be extra. Who's going to get that pizza? Can I get that pizza? What do I do to make sure that I get that pizza? Instead of being in that moment of interacting with people. And I think wanting that that normalcy is natural. I think it really is. And I do think to some extent, you know, for some people it's possible and some people it's not. And what I've learned for me is I have to be okay with it not being possible and still feel like it's something I can try to work on. You know, you have to like, it's almost like you have to like when, when, when a lot of people who aren't keto ask me that question, like, so you're never going to eat cake again? You're never going to have a roll again with your sandwich? You're never going to have bread? And I, I say to them, like, it's not that that's never going to happen. It's that I have to be okay and feel fulfilled if it doesn't. Mm. I think that's what sometimes makes like social interaction so difficult. Uh, you know, I um, you know, sometimes I go out with my work colleagues and my boss and my boss is like the nicest guy in the world, but he'll like he'll always be like, oh, go on, go on, have something, have something. And it's not because like he's thinking, I need to derail him from his diet. He's just a really nice guy. Um, but, you know, but it's like every time someone says, are you sure, are you sure? It's like someone's just pickaxing at your willpower and like wearing it down. And that's why, like, you know, it makes it difficult to be in those situations sometimes, even like so far into a journey. Oh, for sure. And I think that's something like, I think it's also normal at some point in our journeys to feel like social gatherings and things like that are almost off limits because you know you're not going to be able to handle yourself in that situation. But then we come back around, and I think the realistic view of it is those social interactions are important. And the fact that, you know, we come together around food is is an important part of the human experience. Like, I, like it, this is, you know, I've never done the historical research. But I feel pretty, pretty secure saying that, like, one of the things that brought people together, you know, when human when when mankind was evolving was coming together in tribes because they needed to eat, you know, food was a part of that communal experience. And like, and I, I think it hits back to like you saying, like, even, you know, especially as a kid growing up in a not wealthy family, you know, that I can echo, you know, food becomes something that you can celebrate with at times. And it becomes an important thing to people on different levels. And there's ways to celebrate 
food and celebrate with food that it doesn't make that celebration just about the food. And I think that's one of the, the mindset places that we work to get towards to realize that, you know, cutting a cake at a wedding is a big cultural tradition, but it doesn't mean that you get to take half that cake with you up to your room after, you know, like it, it's, it's the, that disconnected behavior when it comes to food, but also, you know, navigating your way through those situations and realizing there's going to be times where you can say yes. And there's going to be times where you have to be okay saying no, you know, and, realize that if some like and it's good that you know you brought up you know like the daily stoic because like i think for me honestly like for food addicts stoicism is really an, an important tool they could check out like because you have to realize that there's going to be things you can control and there's going to be things that you can't control in those situations and sometimes you can't control how that food affects you and you have to just be okay with that effect and have to be okay with the choices you have to make you know to control what you can yeah yeah and you're you know you're i don't think any anyone who is you know even, even had the most amazing journeys and then continues that to stay doesn't occasionally feel those urges um but i think it's just very really rationalizing that they're they are just urges they're just you know the fleeting feelings that will go eventually uh, as strong as they may be at times you know they will pass right you have to get to that place where you realize that those feelings and those urges aren't the end of your life you know they aren't the only thing existing in that moment yeah, hundred percent. And you know, it's, it is an evolution. You know, you're never gonna. You, no one's gonna get there overnight. Um, you know, to to get to the weight, you know, people like ourselves got to. It, you know, it was through bad habits. It was through, you know, you know, addictions, my bad mindsets. Um, oh yeah, a number of things that that we have to work as well as on as well as our physical health to achieve that. You know, complete healthiness, mind and body. And I think that's something we see evolve as time passes. Like as much as, you know, you talk about the importance of realizing it's going to be a long journey. I think it's just as important to realize that it's going to become a lifelong journey and it shouldn't be seen as a lifelong struggle because like, I think when you put struggle at the forefront of it, like it just, you know, you focus on the negative. Like, I think it just realizes that you have to build the normal for yourself that you can see yourself doing for the rest of your life and allow yourself to make the choices that you need to make in different situations. And sometimes they're going to be, choices that move you forward and sometimes they're going to be choices that hold you in the same place and you, you have to be okay with the consequences of that like you have to you have to get it's it's like moving from that place of that i think i've talked to death on this show of getting excited about cheat meals and just realizing that for that moment you're going to make a choice that's different than what you would do every other time and you're okay with what the consequences of those choices are going to be and and you don't have to get yourself so wrapped up in it that it becomes like that moment of going back to well I'm never going to do this again so let me shovel it as much as I can. Oh yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent going. And and Richard, like looking at you know this evolution of your journey, like the the ups and the downs and the backwards and forward and all these different places that's taken you. Uh, where what do you think are the are the tools that you've put in place now? Of course, there's someone cutting very loud grass outside right now, so I apologize for hearing that. Uh, always has to happen. Um, what do you think are the, the tools that you've put in place that are going to allow you to continue this as a sustainable journey for yourself going forward? I think for me, it's uh, having those sort of constant checks in place. So, you know, I know people say you shouldn't weigh yourself every day. Um, I, I do, but, you know, it's not about obsessing over the numbers. Like, you know, I realize that weight fluctuates, but it's been able to look back two weeks, three weeks, four weeks and say, okay, I've come from that place to that place. Uh, and that's fine. You know, I've, you know, I've set myself goals. You know, I want to get to 170 pounds. Uh, and then 
then I want to focus on building some muscle. You know, I want to change my body composition. And what I've realized is that all these things are processes and we need to break them down into their constituent parts. And we need to be able to say, well, I need to do A, then B, then C, then D, and then it will get me there. And it's, you know, you have to believe in the process. You have to believe in yourself. Um, and it is difficult. I think, you know, while YouTube is amazing and all the internet is amazing out there, there's so many different variations of styles and training and eating plans. You know, sometimes you can get lost in it. And, you know, I, you know, at some points for myself, you know, you, I bounce around plan to plan to plan uh, and then not really got anywhere with any of them. So it's about just finding one that you believe you can stick with and make work and then just staying with it, you know, you know and, and stay in the course as well. You know, if you believe in a plan, then stick with it. Uh, yeah so it's all about checks and balances for me and you know sort of seeing you know being able to check off those markers to know that i'm achieving what i need to be achieving and you know i find that that's a really powerful thing for me you know my, you know i want to take that into all parts of my lives and try and achieve things outside of weight loss and you know some of those things i've done recently and you know, there's other things that i hope to do as well i think that makes a lot of sense man i think it's a really good perspective to be able to look at what are you know, the data points for you. And I think that's a powerful thing for people to realize is that, you know, you, working on your relationship with the scale becomes really important. Like it becomes important to realize that it can't control, you can't let it control your behavior. You have to let the number be what it is. And if it is something that you see is, you know, trending in the wrong direction, you know, well, what am I doing to make it trend in the wrong direction? You know, what control do I have over, you know, the things, my routine, the things I'm eating, all of those different pieces, like what can I put into place to, to change that trend and, and get it back going the way I want it to be and not let it be, I'm a bad person because of what the scale says, you know, and not that I, I you know, oh, I was completely screwed up and allowing that to become something that dominates your mind. Mm. Yeah, 100% agree with that. You know, it's, it's, you know, sometimes, I, you know, sometimes I see my weight go up two days in a row and I'm like, oh my God, I need to cut my calories. And I'm like, no, breathe, take a second, look back two weeks. Yeah, you've lost weight from two weeks ago. You know, this is just your body fluctuating, whatever. Just hold the course, hold the course. I think that makes, I think that makes a lot of sense, man. And I, I think that's an awesome perspective to share with people so they can kind of hear, you know, someone who's actually been through that, you know, coming, coming through to that point. So Richard, like, what are, like, you talked about your weight goal, you know, that you've got in place that you're working on. What are some of the other things that you're, you're working on developing now for yourself? So it's just trying to um, apply, like, so I've improved myself physically. So I want to improve myself mentally as well. Um, so, you know, I've re I recently done a project management course outside of my full-time job and I've passed that. So it's nice to get that qualification in place. Um, I, I've recently just got a promotion, so I should be starting a new job in, in the in the coming month or so. Um, so it's just taking that mindset of, you know, I can work hard to achieve things like, you know, I need, I know what I knew what I needed to do to get that promotion. So I put those steps in place and went out and just got after it and did all those things to achieve that. Um, yeah. So that, you know, so that's been working on sort of that aspect of myself really. And just, you know, just focusing on, you know, reading every day and just trying to expand my, my mind in that sense of, you know, I just want to learn as much as I can and then be able to apply that um, in different situations. I think that sounds great, man. And it sounds like you're taking what you're learning 
along the way on your weight loss journey and, you know, applying that to yourself as like a whole person. And I think that's a big part of, of finding, you know, you had your old normal and now you're kind of defining your new normal. And I, I think that's really an important part of that process. Yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah. I think it's just like, you're thinking, you know, you just have to remind yourself like, uh, you know, you, you've, you've achieved all these amazing things. Now, let, let's, let's try and put in that effort into something else and see what results we can get there. Well, there you go, man. I think that sounds great. So, Richard, we've, we've been talking for a while, man. Is there anything about your journey that we haven't gotten to talk about yet that you want to make sure, you know, that we cover in today's episode? Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll just say, you know, as you lose weight, you know, if you, you spend so much money on clothes. I think, you know, I think that's one thing that always, you know, uh, you don't realize when you start losing weight, just how much money you'll spend on clothes and how long you'll spend wearing baggy clothes. Uh, but it's, it's so nice just being able to go into shops and just try things on. It's you, yeah. People don't realize that. I, I did. Uh, I spoke to my friend about this. It's like, it's like, I remember like, you know, when as a teenager, even then of outgrowing most of the shops, just being at, and like, you know, they go into shops and try things on and, you know, it'd be like, what can I try on? A hat, a pair of sunglasses. Like they're the only things that are going to fit me. <laughs> oh no. And I think about that. Like, I, I think I've told the story before. Like I remember the first time I could go into a Walmart, you know, which is like a big super shop and I could pick up a shirt and walk into the dressing room and try it on without, and realizing that, you know, here's a shirt that's going to cost me $10 versus the $50, a similar shirt would cost me at the stores I used to shop at. And I could just try it on and decide if I liked it or not. And it was just a completely kind of quote unquote normal experience. And I remember crying in the dressing room, you know, with a, with a, a cheap shirt and a cheap pair of pants on that I didn't end up buying. But I, I think once I hit that point, like I remember, I think I went and spent like a whole paycheck just buying, you know, as much as I could get my hands on because of that, just wanting that experience to continue. Like there's something there that's power. And it's not about, you know, the physical look in the clothes or the, you know, it's, it's realizing that you've, you've granted your life access to things that you had cut off before, you know, that you had closed off. Yeah, I think that's massive. Like, uh, you know, uh, you you always say you know the bigger you get, the smaller your world gets. It's now like you you flipped that, you reversed that. You've got smaller and your world's got bigger, and it's just amazing just having everything open to you. It truly is, man. It truly is, uh, Richard. You know how I end every episode. It's with with the Fat Guy Five. Are are you ready for your run through those questions? Uh, I am ready. Okay, man. Here we go. Question number one, tell us, Richard, living or dead, who is your favorite fat guy? You know, these answers are always the same, but for me, it has to be John Candy. You know, Cool Runnings, Uncle Buck. Yeah, I always wanted someone to make me those huge pancakes he made on Uncle Buck. Um, yeah, it's just so funny. I love that, you know, like, you know, for me, I never had that confidence, and I wish I was just sort of that charismatic guy, confident guy that he was. Um, I wish I could have carried that off at my size. Uh, I like it, man. I'm always in team John Candy, so I appreciate anyone that gives that answer. I'm always, I'm always on board for that. Uh, Richard, question number two: Tell us what is one lesson that being a fat guy has taught you? 
Uh, being fat, I suppose it, it taught me that you know we we create our own limitations, and it's and it's up to us to sort. You know, it's up to us to fix them. Um, no one's going to hand us a magic pill, but we, we can do it. You just have to believe and work hard at it. I like it. Question number three, Richard. What's one piece of advice you would go back in time and give your past self? Start earlier. Don't wait. I think you know, uh, you know, wait until I was sort of in my late twenties. You know, I wish I would have done it when I was uh, twenty-two and uh, been able to experience more, uh, more at an earlier age. For sure, man. For sure. And of course, I'm having like this brain squelch moment for myself. So we we covered who your favorite fat guy is. We covered your fat guy lesson. We covered the piece of advice you go back and oh, here we go. Why am I forgetting this? Richard, tell us. And the funny thing is, this is the first episode I've recorded without a cheat sheet in front of me for the fact that I do Fat Guy <laughs> 5. And I'm always like, and I never use it. I never use it. Today, I don't have it in front of me. And I immediately was like, I, for the life of me, cannot remember question number four. But question number four is, Richard, tell us something about yourself that you love. Uh, yeah, I, I love the person I've become. I, I've loved my, I love my determination now and my sort of darkness just to get at it every day. I like it, man. That's a great answer to that question. And our last one, I think you started touching on things that, that might come into play for this one. But tell us, Richard, what is one goal you have for yourself for the next year that is not health, fitness, or weight loss related? Uh, well, as I've touched on the work aspect, I suppose for me, it's, uh, you know, I love traveling now. I've, I've traveled quite extensively all over the world, but um, South America is definitely on my list. Uh, I, yeah, I hope coronavirus clears up and you know, I can go travel South America later this year. There we go, man. I think everyone's kind of got a travel bug inside of them right now with the, the quarantine and things starting to slowly open up. So I know I'm excited. I, I get to travel to the gym tomorrow for the first time. So I'm excited. Oh, wow. Like our gyms, our gyms can open up. So I'm going to go see what that new world is like, you know, visit the old world and see what the new rules are. So I have no doubt that you'll, you'll make that happen, man. I, I really have appreciated your time with me today. And Richard, tell people if they want to reach out to you and see more of your journey or just talk to you about it, how can they find you? So you can find me on Instagram, uh, rdspencer89 or richfat2fit. Uh, yeah, I'm happy for anyone to DM me, message me, talk to me. You know, I think this is great. These sort of forums just be able to talk about the mental side of things. You know, there's enough experts out there who know about nutrition and training, but you know, we're experts at being fat and we can talk to people about that journey and that side of it. For sure, man. And you have clearly, you know, shared your expert story today. And I really appreciate that. So, Richard, let me just say a big thank you to you for coming on. Oh, thank show. you, Gomi. Definitely. And I hope that you enjoy the rest of your night. And everyone else out there, whatever time of day it is that you're listening to this episode, please remember a couple things. First, before I forget, again, I don't know what's going on with me today. You, if you want to connect with me, there's a couple different ways you can do that now. You can, of course, find me on Instagram at Gormy underscore goes underscore keto. You can connect with me on Twitter at GourmetGoesKeto. If you are interested in my one-on-one -on -one keto coaching that I am now doing with The Keto Road, you can find me at www.theketoroad.com slash coach-mike. All of these links and all of Richard's links will be in the show notes, of course, my friends. And hey, hopefully you're inspired by this story that you just heard and you go and do something today to amaze yourself because you are amazing people. And then come on back and catch us on the next episode of the Fat Guy Forum.